This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile house plants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. This out, Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pat him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me. Help. Help. Coach Hogg's Locker Room. Good morning, good morning, President. Well, it's Coach Hogg this morning right now in the uh, manly Warthog studio here at Medellin Law Studio, 352-325-3938 on the hotline. And uh, the Warthog Command Center. And you just saw the Warthog upend whoever that filmmaker was who tried to pet him. Thought he was a nice hog. He ain't no nice hog. He's a Warthog. So uh, here we are today with uh, Coach Hogg's locker room. A little bit to talk about. I hope you had a good Thanksgiving. I spent mostly the week recovering from the flu shot, uh, which I never get. But I got, therefore, I got, you know, whatever you get. I don't know what it was, but you can still hear it in my voice a little bit. I may have to pause once in a while to, you know, <laughs> draw breath. But anyway, it's uh, been an eventful week. Uh, it, it doesn't quite put you all the way down. It just kind of makes you feel halfway goofy. And and uh, I, I don't know. It, that, that's the story. I'm sticking to it. So, um uh, the big news around Gatorland here is we've hired another, yet another coach. Um, I got more. I don't know if I'm playing the devil's advocate with my remarks in the next few minutes in Coach Hogg's locker room, or I'm just being truthful. <clears throat> well, let's put it this way: everybody has his own perspective on the Gator program, his own relationship to it. You know, depending upon your age group, I suppose, and your financial interests and your social. Um, interests and all that business. But, you know, I've been watching the Gators since 1961. And uh, when I first came here, uh, um, let's just talk about the FSU game. The first time I ever saw FSU and Florida play, they tied 3-3. And, and then all of a sudden there was a huge brawl on the field. Uh, nobody could break it up. It lasted for, oh, I don't know, a good long time, 15, 20 minutes. And I remember the girls were in the East Stands, which were wooden bleachers in. Everybody dressed up to the nines to go to these games, and basically it was driven by sorority and fraternity interests, and um, they were all dressed up to the nines, and they were hollering, hit them again, harder, harder, harder. And uh, that was my first introduction to an FSU-Florida game. Um, so later I learned what it meant when they said we are the boys. Um, Florida had been the boys' school, and, of course, FSU had been the girls' school up until 1947, so they still regarded each other that way. and. Um, FSU's always kind of labored under that stigma that Florida views them as a girls' school. Uh, the ratio of males to females when I came here was seven males to every female. And, and it was uh, upside down. FSU was seven females to every male. So, uh, you know, there it was. And, um, you know, we didn't, we didn't have any women around here much. And if they had them, they lived in the dorms. And uh, they were not allowed to live off campus. So it was kind of a manly manhood here. Uh, and uh, <clears throat> fraternity of men, really. And so uh, 
it was a dry county and we had to go across the county lines to get our booze. And um, this was in 61. Now, in two or three years, things are going to explode and change, of course. But um, um, this, this, this world of football then was governed by Coach Ray Graves, who had attached to him the stigma that he was a seven to three coach. He could only uh, win seven games and he'd always lose three. And if he ever went to a bowl, my golly, everybody flip over backwards if he could, if he, he could get him to a bowl. So, um, uh, and we had all sorts of uh, representatives at quarterback. I mean, let me see if I can remember some names. Larry Libertor, Tom Batten, uh, Tommy Shannon. I think Tommy Shannon started uh, Outback. So they're not all unsuccessful off the field. Larry Libertor not long ago passed. Um, I don't know about Tom Batten, uh, that bunch, but um, uh, everything was ho-hum and nobody really ever thought Florida would be any different than seven and three. And then um, along came Steve Spurrier and Steve kind of picked it up, ramped it up. And all of a sudden we were going to bowls, much sugar bowl, where we tried uh, for, uh, for two, three times and lost uh, to Missouri 21-18, I think. And, um, you know, everybody wanted to know why Gatorade tried to uh, go for um, uh, two every darn time. But anyway, that's what he did. But at least we got to the Sugar Bowl. It was a big deal. And um, there was a lot of jokes about it. Uh, we'd have won if Charlie Casey had <clears throat> not taken of libations before the game or even during the game or whatever. It was one of the standard jokes. Um, but uh, as it may, Florida got into kind of the limelight then. and, and um, began to spread its wings. Next year, of course, it went to the Orange Bowl. And I believe that's a famous game where Larry Smith's pants came down. Uh, Larry Smith was a tremendous recruit here, All-American, big, big, strong guy, nice guy until you got on the bad side of him. Uh, he uh, went and played for the Rams for a while and was really did well there. Big, just nice guy, still, still among us. Lives in Tampa. I think he's an attorney. Um, Larry was a superstar. Of course, he was there. Was, when Steve and those guys were around, so uh, we had a we had we we had a segregation then. Uh, uh, okay, I'm getting a note from my uh, my uh, guys. Okay, thanks, production. We'll probably use that in a little bit. Okay, <clears throat> we're going to use something in a minute here when we get down to University of Florida education. But um, um, so that's that's the way it was going, and you know Steve kind of set the gold standard in more ways than one. He, Put the on the field. He put them on the map, won the Heinzman Trophy, all that kind of business. Um, and um, then we we went around, uh, uh, you know, we went around looking. The biggest biggest faux pas in football here, in my estimation, was when um, Gene Ellison, the head defensive coach for the Gators under Gator Ray, I didn't get to be the head coach. Uh, they did not promote from in, from in, uh, within for some reason. Uh, the egos of these, uh, 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 super, uh, what do you call them, these athletic directors, uh, they get involved and, and uh, they think they know what they're doing. And half the time, they don't know more than you, any more than you and I know, and maybe less. And um, so they didn't promote Ellison from within. And they went out and got Doug Dickey. And it was the goofiest thing I ever. And, you know, Doug Dickey's still a lot. He looked great. He's up in his upper 80s. He was over in the coast by Jacksonville, Ponte Vedra somewhere. Uh, I mean, but, you know, he, he was so doggone goofy. Uh, you know, here we recruited J John Reeves and all these guys for pro style. Uh, and we'd done real well. And, and uh, under Ray, it was it was a Ray's, you know, shining light when we brought in uh, Reeves and Alvarez and all these guys. And and uh, I'll be darned if uh, then Gator Ray retired and in came Dickey, uh, spearheaded totally by O'Connell, the president. 
And um, there you go. Next thing you know, we changed the offense and everything else. We went down the tubes. Um, we really never, we floundered. We had all sorts of problems uh, with players. It was integration. When, you know, we got, we got to get some thugs in here to do well. Um, so they were trying to do well. It was really a miserable time for us in my estimation. It's all kind of, you know, I'm telling you history, but I'm also interlacing some of my observations and opinions. You can take them what they're worth. And uh, so finally we, we got rid of him. And then we went, I don't know who all we had. We had uh, the best one we had really that was a super, uh, uh, to borrow one of Spurrier's words, super, was Charlie Pell. Charlie Pell was the real deal. He, inherited, he went 0-10 and won his first year here. Next year, he had Lomas Brown and all these guys in there. And probably the best best talents ever been on a football field for Florida. Uh, and um, you know, then of course he he was he was wont to help out players, and he was wont to kind of cross the lines, and uh, he was a threat to the other coaches in the league. He was so good. He was kind of a a, a Bear Bryant disciple. Smoked cigarettes on the sideline. Um, and, and and so, you know, they ran him off. They found a way to get him for violation. And we went in a tank again. Um, uh, we really never, uh, we, we really never uh, uh, shined there for a while. This is, you know, we were just all doing what we're right now, looking for somebody with a, with a magic potion that can somehow wave a wand. Now, Spurrier had been, I think, here, I think he got a break under Dickey. I don't remember, but he was in sort of a, peon level coach guy but you know he was um i kind of get fuzzy on that but anyway he was working his way into the coaching world here uh having uh but you know they always the bad the rap on um the rap on spurrier was that um um you know he was he he wouldn't work you know he he was he was known as kind of a uh a slacker in terms of you know he had so much talent he never needed to really uh exercise much or work at what he did and he did well. Uh, remember one time, Coach Graves gave him a, a weight pack and had him, wanted him to run the stadium steps with it. And next thing that happened, Steve gave the weight pack to me, and I was the one running the stadium steps in it. So, um, you know, th that was a wrap on Steve. And so he didn't, they didn't bring him around. But those of us who knew him uh, kept beseeching the powers that be that you guys need to quit screwing around here and, and hire Steve Spurrier. So there were a lot of us in the background who who knew the magic that Steve has uh, with the game. And so uh, finally, by golly, he got hired and the rest on him is history. Now, he set the gold standard. Uh, I mean, that that he set the gold standard every way. And until they find another Steve, which they'll never find, they'll never find this guy, this nappier guy. He was apparently a quarterback. He ain't no Steve Spurrier quarterback. I can tell you that right now. Um so it remains to be seen where he's going to get his uh, his magic potion from, uh, his charisma, his his ability to cut to the chase and, and lead and all that, and inspire you and all that, and be a leader of men. Um, you know, he's been over here in some league doing it apparently, but he ain't been here. And so my question to my myself today is, why am I not excited? <clears throat> I'm just not excited about the hire. I mean, I, I you know maybe it's me, but I've been through this before. I've been through this a million times and. And uh, I'm just not excited about it. I mean, you know, this guy, it'll take three or four years to find out if this guy's got the goods. I mean, you won't know in the first season. Um, you know, no telling. So here you go, around the mulberry bush again. Um, now, unless you got a Spurrier who comes in right away and by God, bang, away you go. 
you, you know, you got the goods before he even comes. So, um, well, you know, I'm not excited. It's not something that, uh, you know, uh, you know, here we go again. I hope it, I hope it works out. I was pleased to see how much the guys on Florida Friday apparently like this guy Knox. Um, I have a little tough time imagining him as a human being uh, reacting to Mullen the same way that they reacted to Knox. They went up and hugged Knox and <coughs> gave him a big um, back slap and all that. Um, but it, it defies logic. They would they would never think of hiring the, from inside and hiring Knox. And, you know, that'd just be beneath them. They got to have a uh, some big ticket guy come in here and and you know fill out all the blanks where the egos are and see if he can do well. So I wish the guy well. I I don't really know what the chances are of him doing well. Uh, and you know they all come in and say they you know they're all going to create a quote unquote student athlete. I don't know about that. You know it's uh they've been running that wrap around from forever. Um, you know, I, I just I just don't believe it. I mean, I hear the language when, you know, not I'm not talking about obscene language. I'm just talking about the King's English that a lot of these guys use. I can't understand. It's filled with grammatical errors and they're getting ready to graduate, so to speak. They're on the field. Um, I think we'll just drop that, that student crap from the whole thing and just admit we're trying to get athletes in here to, to win. And, you know, but they go out and sell this stuff to the parents. Oh, my God, he's going to be. Give me your kid. I'm gonna take care of him. He's gonna be great. I'll I'll, I'll look over him, and he'll get an education. Um, I don't know. Uh, you know, maybe in the old days, maybe. But heck, the guys I knew, you know, they used to joke. Uh, uh, they'd be asked, you know, the buddies that I hang, hung around with, or whatever, in the Spurrier days, and you know, if they graduated, you know, or if they were asked what they're majoring in, they always said petroleum engineering. And people would say, petroleum engineering, you're a football player and, and you're majoring in petroleum engineering. And uh, they'd say, yeah, P.E., you know. So, um, you know, that was what that was the big joke. That was a standard joke. And, you know, the whole term hossing off the off a person next to you came out of the jock world, which means, you know, looking at the other te guy's test or getting somebody. I mean, it's just a standard issue behavior. I mean, I don't I don't know of anybody. Now, I'm not saying they're dumb. One of the problems with the athletes is they all want to be given things. This is why the athletic restaurants go out of business that are named after jocks. All the jocks come in there and want to be given their meal. Uh, they've been given things all their lives. They don't want to pay. They want somebody else to pick up the tab. You know, uh, we got all kinds of examples of that. I mean, they call them freebies, you know. Um, they've been living on freebies all their lives. I mean, it, it's preposterous. And, and, um, so the whole jock world is uh why don't you just come out and call it what it is and and call the game what it is it's a it's a, a brutal game that we're attracted to for its brutality it's filled with violence we're we're attracted to for its violence i mean look at the behavior and the fighting before the game everybody got off on that man that was a that was a controlled gang wars what it was and um uh, Everybody loved it. I mean, it's been going on forever, ever since that I saw the fight in 1961 from the, from the wooden East bleachers. Um, ain't nothing changed. So, <clears throat> you know, what are you going to, how are you going to win? You're going to get guys who can win a gang fight. That's what you better get. You better get guys, your gang fighters, and, you know, who will really be disciplined at the same time and you can control. Otherwise, they'll, they'll you know, they'll do what you've had with Hernandez. They'll kill two or three people while they're in town or, rob a bank or whatever 
And uh, <clears throat> there you go. So it's going to be a – it is like walking on ice for these coaches. I got to put it in their corner a little bit. It's like walking on ice. You better have your head on right if you're going to be the coach. You better not walk in the Black Lives Matter parade. You get, keep your butt out of there. It's none of your business. Uh, you stay in, uh, up in the tower, you know, and the tower is where, of course, Bear Bryant was, which is a great piece of equipment. You can look down, see everything. So, and then players look up there and they see God, you know. They look up there and there's by God. He's up, by, he's up there. There's God up there. And um, that's where you need to be. You need to be up in the tower. You don't need to be down in the streets with these guys. And, um, you know, that's why, you know, you got to you got to command respect with them. So I don't know how he handles them. I haven't met the dude. I don't I don't know. You know, he might be cool. He might get it done. And I'll, I'll power it. if he gets it done now, uh, I, I, I don't think it'll happen. Steve's the last one to do it. Hang around here for a decade or so. Uh, if he can do that, I mean, that'd be something else again. But uh, I, I don't think I don't see the guy around. You know, I don't know where he'd go. Unless he got bought out for losing, you know, the, the pros is a whole nother world. Look at Meyer. But, um, you know, Gator Ray here was here for about 10 years, I think, uh, if I look back on it. And, uh, uh, you know, we had big institution coaches in. We had Bryant. We had, of course, he came from Kentucky with Bobby Dodd at Georgia Tech, Johnny Vaught at Mississippi, Bud Wilkerson in Oklahoma. These guys were institutions. They stayed there. They were the real deal. They built a culture. They built a program. Um, they, they, they were the real deal. Speaking of Florida here now, we got a funny, I think we're going to run it, uh, production. We got a funny thing here that I ran across. You got that isolated, that little clip. Uh, we got a funny thing we ran across. I don't know if you knew this, but this was on Breitbart. They sent a reporter here at the university. I wondered about this myself. They sent a reporter here at the University of Florida to ask the students what they knew about Black Friday. Um, I wondered myself if they could get away with this word Black Friday anymore since everything's seen through the prism of racism. So we're going to run this. It takes about five minutes, but it's funny. And I got to rest my voice a little bit. So uh, take a look at this thing. We're going to run it right now. Florida talking with students about Black Friday. A reader-generated column of opinions published in the Chicago Tribune includes one section that claims Black Friday discriminates or profiles against Black people. Do students agree? Are they willing to change the name? And how far will they take cancel culture? Let's find out. Will you be participating in Black Friday this year? Um, no. Capitalism isn't really my big favorite thing. Probably not. I just think that it really perpetuates just this consumerism and just exploiting labor for our own personal needs and wants? Mm, possibly not. I feel like sometimes the viruses are being inflated on purpose. No, because I'm a broke college student. <laughs> Probably not. Uh, well, I guess I w I'm not participating in Black Friday. Um, I don't have anything against it in particular. It's just that I'm poor. What do you think of the name Black Friday? I don't like it. I think it should be like something with like deals or something like that so it can like attract more people. I think the name Black Friday is just stuck there because of like a long line ago or something like that. Definitely does sound a little doom and gloom and like not the best term for that. I don't know why specifically it's like a black color. Why is it like any other color? 
So sounds like really just a no. Just is interested, mostly curious. I don't know. I, I think it's kind of weird to be honest. Like I don't really know where it comes from. It's just like it's just sales. So I don't get why it's called Black Friday. Doesn't really make any sense given what we actually do on the day. So there was a reader-generated column of opinions that was published in the Chicago Tribune, and one of the sections claimed that Black Friday discriminates or profiles against Black people, and that we should rename the day to be Holiday Buying Day or Spending Day. What do you guys think of that? Honestly, yeah, I'm down to rename that. Uh, I, don't, I, I don't like the name Black Friday. I never really have since I was small. Whenever I would go uh, to stores, everything would be just jam-packed, um, and I would see like workers kind of... Uh, it sounds wrong, but it would, they would lean more towards the lighter-skinned people. Like, they would assist them. Yeah, I could see how it could be offensive. I mean, the name itself does kind of sound ominous. I'm, I'm cool with changing it. Would you support such a change? Yeah, I would. I think that that it's, like, equality is important. And, like, I mean, UF just recently changed their whole, like, gator bait thing because of that. And I think it's a similar reason. Uh, I never saw it that way, but, I mean, I don't have that lived experience, so... If, like, enough people think that it should be that way, then, like, I don't see a problem with it. I mean, I think it's definitely a valid opinion. Um, I kind of agree that the name should be changed just because, yeah, Black Friday sounds offensive. Renaming it to these weird, like, clunky phrases isn't going to help actual black people. I mean, if they change the name, they change the name, but it's not, like, something I would, like protest for or something. What if I told you that the term Black Friday has nothing to do with race? When stores are in the red, it's said that they're not making any profits. So a lot of stores say that they're in the red before the day after Thanksgiving. And once Black Friday hits, they're in the black, meaning they're turning profits now because of all the sales. Should we still change it? No. I think nobody should overanalyze it. Like, If it's not about skin color, then I don't see that there's a problem. If you, like, you know, want to just rename it to, like, spare the feelings, like, that's not helpful. Like, some, like, wording, like, like, black or something, I don't, I think it's honestly sometimes a bit like too much because it's just a word like it's it's a color i wouldn't change it knowing the origins of black friday knowing really what it does mean it just kind of makes me think like okay this isn't something that's actually offensive so people getting offended by it seems a little i don't want to call it stupid but like a little a little dumb like it has nothing to do with offensive or race or anything like that so some things some people are, i think too quick to jump on and say oh my god like cancel which i don't think is like correct everything will be found offensive at one point canceling has become an umbrella term for a lot centering on like the real issue and it's just you're canceling a holiday there needs to be more focus on the root instead of just rushing to just focus on this is the, okay well we need to get rid of this okay but why Hi, I'm Ophelia Jacobson with Campus. All right, that's a little interview of the day out here at the University of Florida campus. Those are your students. We got that world, then we got the jock world over here with the athletes. So um, none of them seem to really be clear on what Black Friday meant. Uh, you could have told them anything, probably, and they would have fallen for it. That's your college student. Uh, that, <laughs> you know, I, 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 don't, I don't know. It's, it's uh, clear to me that, well, actually, somebody else pointed this out to me. And they're not doing much uh, to teach you and the kids anything about capitalism uh, and what Black Friday means that you're, you know, you're going to be in the, you're going to be in the in, uh, profit, in the profit side of the ledger instead of in the red, the loss side of the ledger. But uh, 
you know, they're busy. I, we're trying to pull it up. We're trying to find it on WCJB this morning. I'm told they had an interview with the students complaining about university investing more in natural gas for energy. And they want to know why the university didn't invest in solar. You can't run the university on solar. I mean, my God, are you nuts? I mean, it just won't work. Now, the closest thing we got, really, all this green energy crap that you hear, the closest thing we really got to, that would probably work, except we got, we're scared of it, is nuclear energy. That would be okay. Uh, you can do a lot with nuclear energy as long as you don't have an accident. And uh, Three Mile, whatever, I can probably remember what Three Mile Island or something up there in New York we had. And we had an accident up there, and that shut down the whole concept of nuclear for, I don't know, for quite a while. So um, it's uh, it's not the panacea either. Now they're trying to tell us that uh, uh, we we jacking the pr gas prices up because we want y'all driving electric cars. I mean, uh, I don't know. You know, it's it's just it, it's just kind of crazy. But um, that that's the way we are right now. And so those kind of a little snapshot of your of your students over UF, if you want to take it, uh, uh, it's kind of not. You know, I think it's sort of typical. Uh, <clears throat> The other thing that they, uh, I don't know if we'll find it this morning, but uh, production's working on it. Um, um, the CJB interview where they said that um, uh, the, the natural gas, that what they had been taught is one of the things I'm told they say to the interviewer. What they have been taught by students is that fossil fuel's bad. Well, the university's teaching them that, see? That's proof to me that you got a lefty agenda going on at the university. Um, Fossil fuel is not bad in and of itself. It is what it is. It's the use of it or uh, the the uh, exploitation of it or, or that sort of thing. The other thing we got going on here in our in our community, and it'll take me a while to delve into this because it's kind of interesting, is uh, we got we got criminality all over the place. Um, you know, locally, and I go into my local section here next. Uh, locally, we got this instance where, unfortunately, uh, we had a um, uh, we had a situation where there was a fatal Thanksgiving accident and the driver who caused it, uh, you know, had an extensive criminal traffic history. And Jennifer Gabara over Lachlan Chronicle that we work with quite a bit, uh, wrote a very good piece on this. And I just want to go through his rap sheet. Of course, this is nothing new to us. Um, this kid's 23 years old. Uh, he has possession of a weapon by a convicted felon. That's kind of standard issue. Uh, he's also wanted on a warrant out of Orange County for violating probation by getting arrested on a battery charge in Leon County. The guy's flying around all over the place, probably taking drugs with him. Why would he go there? Uh, he was sentenced to probation in Pinellas County just three days before the accident for violating a previous probation of failing a drug test. Now, <clears throat> this guy's running up and down the same road you and I are running up and down. And this is the problem. And this is what the, the left has done to us. It's decriminalized criminality. And um, so here we go. He caused this SUV to roll over and two occupants of the SUV, uh, a 13-year-old girl and an 83-year-old woman, were ejected and killed in the accident. Now, I tell you what, this irks me no end. Uh, this really gets on the bad side of me and it should get on the bad side of you. Um, he had an out-of-county warrant for his arrest. He also had a suspended driver's license. Uh, a handgun was found in the glove box. Marijuana was found in the glove box. He's got a criminal history as long as your leg. You know, this is this is the deal here that we're dealing with. And, and they get to walk around in our society 
just like you and I get to walk around in our society because nobody keeps them in the jug. And you can fault what? Ultimately, you fault the liberal mentality for allowing this to happen. Um, here's what he said. Um, he was a smart he was a smart a, you know, when he was interrogated. Um, he said uh, denied he was driving. Then he said he was driving. And then somebody said that um, he was convicted felon. He can't be carrying arms and firearms around. He says, oh, yeah, I can beat that. You know, there's no problem with that. I can carry even though I'm a convicted felon and I'm carrying a gun. If you try to get me on that, I'll beat that. So um, there you are. I mean, that's that's the that's the criminality that we're we're dealing with uh, in our society. And it's perpetrated on us by the left. Um, we've got a case here right now. Uh, Jonathan Corey Smith, does that name ring a bell to you? Does that ring any bell, a bell to you at all? Well, <clears throat> he's the convicted felon. He was involved in the shooting at the hookah lounge. Uh, that was all done, you know, by Tony Jones and uh, the, the commissioner. Uh, and um, they, they got together and, and got that thing off the ground and ended up people getting shot out there. And they're all carrying guns. They're all felons. Now, how in the world is a police chief OK a, a deal like that? This is the same police chief that okayed, you know, taking the SWAT team over to kick the door in, so to speak, on the Collier's International. How, now, how, now, how, tell me, how does that work? How does that work? I don't understand it. You criminalize the non-criminals and you decriminalize the criminals. How in the world does that work? I'm just telling you that goes on in Gainesville, Florida. Now, you ain't heard the cruncher to this yet. We had a special election a while back, right? Did we not? Guess who voted in it? Jonathan Corey Smith. And he hasn't repaid his fines, $18,000 in restitution. We can find right off the top of our heads that he's owed before he can. He ain't paid nothing. He no different than this kid running up and down the road killing people with his automobile saying, go ahead and get me for carrying a weapon. I can beat it. Are you serious? Are this kind of world we're living in? I mean, this is really, this is nitty gritty. Is this what you're living in? I mean, yes, I'm going to tell you right now, that's what you are living in. This supervisor of elections doesn't know <coughs> Jonathan Corey Smith, a convicted felon, voted in the special elections of Gainesville just a few weeks ago. Doesn't know it. I gotta take a break. That just irks the living hell out of me. We'll be right back in just a moment on the Ward Scott Files. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are On the Spot Dry Cleaners, Okita America Martial Arts, RR Construction, Gators Dockside, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com, and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352 284 3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Wardscott Files. 
And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. All right, welcome back. I had to take a little break there. I just couldn't get over it. I mean, it just blew my mind. Out in California, you know, and California is where everything starts. All the craziness starts in California. And um, I don't know how else to tell you, but it does. Um, out there, the, uh, uh, the, the powers that be want to, uh, um, um, they want to drop the term sex offender, okay? I, I don't know what the heck ails these people, but that's what they want to do, okay? They want to drop the term sex offender. Now, and why would they want to do that? Well, you know what? It's just too much of a stigma to have to live under, to uh, have to live. Uh, Colorado, Colorado board, I'm sorry. Colorado agency is dropping references to sex offenders from its vocabulary because it has a negative connotations. This is uh, in Washington Examiner, okay? The Colorado Sex Offender Management Board voted Friday to no longer recognize the term sex offender in its proposals. Now, this is just one more example of the lawlessness. And we got sex offenders voting in these elections and registered to vote in these elections. And we've already found them. We've turned them over to FDLE and we'll wait and see if anything happens. I've got my doubts. I mean, I, I just don't think that, that the Florida Department of Law Enforcement got the cojones to actually deal with this stuff. Um, this is a linguistic shift, they call it. Um, you know, it, it, it's, uh, it creates a stigma. A sex offender is, is such a dangerous character of all the criminality people of that uh, they, they put a map up on that dude. And I think they're mostly male. They may be also female. They put a map up on them. And where they are, they're supposed to know where they are 24-7, huh? I mean, it's crazy. But that's the way it works. And let me just let me just talk about this with you. you I know you know this already. The Christmas parade where the dancing grannies were run over um, by this character behind the wheel who had been out on a $1,000 bail and had a rap sheet as serious as, I mean, unbelievable. Uh, a long criminal history. He was free on a $1,000 bail, posted just days before his rampage with the automobile, and he ran over the dancing grannies and killed the children. <clears throat> I don't know what to tell you, man. It's, 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 um, it's beyond sensible. It really is beyond sensible. Uh, and then you got Alexander Cortez saying that the New York, New York system there has excessive bail. Oh, God. So here you are. You can take a look. If you're thinking about voting ever again and you're a legitimate voter, your vote can be canceled, you know, by an illegitimate. But that's the whole purpose of this investigation we're doing. You know, your legal vote can be canceled by Jonathan Corey Smith's. OK, did you vote in a special election for Gainesville? Did you vote? Well, whomever you voted for, whomever Smith voted for, it got canceled. He canceled you. So here we go. There's no question about what crime is soaring now. We have people breaking into with car caravans, <coughs> breaking into stores, huh? Blocking the streets, daring the cops. Believe me. This the numbers are spiraling. It's a political problem, and Sleepy Joe. And where did it all start? It kind of got egged on 
and to, you know, people really got on their heels. They were, in my contention, they were on their heels in the George Floyd murder. They were afraid. You know, I'm going to tell you, they, you know, I know what murder is. Now, Derek Chauvin did not murder George Floyd. He might have been, uh, you know, might have been the lesser charge. Man. He did not murder him. Okay, that dude's locked up in solitary confinement somehow. So why? To make to cut, they're intimidated by the race card, and they've tried to turn Rittenhouse into a race issue, which it isn't. So homicides since the George Floyd murder, homicides have increased thirty percent. Okay. Chicago is going to end in 2021 with its highest murder rate in 25 years. Portland, Oregon is a routine home to violent riots. Um, it had 1,200 shootings this year compared with 400 before Floyd. Uh, Los Angeles, is, you know, Floyd's a benchmark. You can, you can count the crime goes up after Floyd. Okay, not down, up. Okay, so uh, Los Angeles recorded more homicides in July. This is Wall Street Journal statistics here in July than any month more than for more than a decade. <coughs> uh, <coughs> what was the cause of uh, of all this stuff for Rittenhouse? Okay. Well, the governor, Evers, who is was the superintendent of education in Wisconsin for 10 years, what an egghead, becomes the governor, and he doesn't protect the property, because you know why? Property is capitalism. And if you own property, you must rip somebody off. That's a popular slogan right now. So uh, he doesn't protect that city. And so people feel, God, I got to get somebody over here to protect me. Now, the Black Lives Matter people do this all the time. They do it all the time. You'll see them show, show up with weapons and stand in front of a store or stand in front of even a voting booth. But no, you let the white guys come in there and stand and protect property and you try to turn it into a race thing. So Evers never called out the National Guard. He did before the Rittenhouse verdict because he got scared. He got scared and he knew that there was going to be some kind of reaction if he didn't show a heavy hand. Now, uh, New York, you know, what a wacko state that is. They have stopped the stop and frisk laws. They worked. Uh, furthermore, the California voters have decriminalized shoplifting. It's part of the problem. They've, dis, they've decriminalized shoplifting. Get this now. If you're a store owner, you're supposed to put up with this crap. People walking out with whatever they want to walk out. You're supposed to let them go. California decriminalized shoplifting. They define thefts. Are you ready for this race term? They define thefts under $950 as a misdemeanor. Okay. And <clears throat> they want prosecutors who are driven by quote unquote justice reform. All right. Now, here's a here's a here, here's a cast of characters mouthing off in the, on, on the progressive left. Khalid, the Muslim, okay? She would end life prison sentences, okay? There you go. She would stop the use of tasers, and she would empty the federal prisons within 10 years. Even that embarrassed old Sleepy Joe. 
he said he wasn't for you know emptying out the prisons. <clears throat> I care you. I tell you, buddy, it's a bad, bad situation. Bad situation. So you got a guy running up and down the highway out here who kills people and he's been got a rap sheet and he's odd. I don't I don't care. Uh you can't you can't beat me. And I can beat that. <coughs> Let's talk about Rittenhouse again for a minute. The left is hollering, well, you know, he got away with this crap. We're gonna get him on civil rights. We're gonna take him and sue him on civil rights, all right? And the federal government's gonna step in and help us because after all, the federal government is all about protecting us, right? The left. Well, the lawyer, the liars, the, 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 the objective liars, if there is such a thing, <clears throat> say good luck. Now, Fat Jerry, Fat Jerry, who along with Pencil Net Schiff, ran that criminal committee to try to get uh, Trump impeached, and they're the criminals. He tweeted that the decision on Rittenhouse was a miscarriage of justice that justifies federal review. That's Fat Jerry. That's what we, you know, you think we got goofy people at the school board? They ain't no difference between them and the goofy people in Congress. I mean, we got some goofy people on that school board. <clears throat> I mean, have said some goofy things, okay? <clears throat> I'm talking about people who called out me and Tim Martin, for example. But they ain't no different from that fat Jerry. Who says the acquittal was a miscarriage of justice? The Department of Justice, this is to set the record straight, does not possess an office for the prosecution of miscarriages of justice. Period. Period. And even if it tried to, it would set a dangerous precedent where it started second guessing jury's verdicts. The civil rights doesn't apply. He, Rittenhouse is white and he shot three white guys. And he was never, ever accused of a hate, hate crime. <clears throat> he didn't deprive anybody of civil rights under federal law. On the civil case, now, you know, this is so, this is so interesting. Now, you think for one moment, I don't think any of my students here do, who are watching, watching and listening. But do you think that Rittenhouse trial is any way, shape, or form similar to the O.J. Simpson trial? If you do, uh, write an essay on it and let me see how you think. That's what these lefties are trying to say. Well, you know, the civil, uh, you know, all of a sudden they're throwing O.J. Simpson under the bus. Uh, <clears throat> Well, the family went back and got a civil judgment against OJ, which he never paid, of course. Uh, we can do the same thing <clears throat> to Rittenhouse. No, you can't. No, you can't. It's not similar at all. You can try. They will. They'll try. They'll try.
I think for the most part, we cover it. Uh, is there what something here about California that I'm looking for? I got to find. Uh, let me just look for that real quickly here. Well, that you might be interested in. <clears throat> so I just got to rest my voice for a minute. Uh, California, 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 California. Octum, octum. The papers are not in order. Step out <coughs> and report to the inspection station. We are going to search your belongings. Yeah, this Watch is a now. California story about, uh, it is crazy. Um, uh, in California, <clears throat> they want to stop calling the looters, uh, um, they want to stop calling those of thieves, looters, uh, and you need to stop calling them that because that stigmatizes them, makes them, uh, you know, um, criminals, criminalizes them. Not that they didn't do it, not that they didn't steal, but you just can't do that. You can't call thieves or looters thieves. I mean, come on. Uh, they're people that had what? I mean, they're disadvantaged or, uh, you know, what would you say, huh? Um, the the issue here is uh, most retail theft is decriminalized anyway. Here we go in California. Democrat uh, you know looting is now an offensive term. All right, uh, it is uh, it, it 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 complicates social justice, and uh, there's all kinds of undocumented shopping taking place in California's major cities, but you know. We, pre- we passed Proposition 47, which I just alluded to a moment ago. It says that thefts of $950 or less, uh, they're just a misdemeanor. So stop calling these people, um, you know, names that would stigmatize them. Um, they, of course, the people realized they were unlikely to be arrested or prosecuted for stealing less than $1,000. And what they do, they started taking advantage of it. So that California has since been inundated by these um, thefts. Um, really, especially in San Francisco. And there, the district attorney is weak on prosecuting criminals who steal from retailers. Um, Social media posts videos and pictures, uh, but it doesn't mean anything. It's because it's uh, uh, looting is just, you know, getting what you should have been given all along, I guess. And, um, you know, somebody with uh, maybe the right colored skin or whatever advantages uh, own the store and you should be owning a store. If you can't own a store, you can steal from it. It's, it's crazy stuff. That's, uh, that's California. <clears throat> uh, don't ask me how that works. It's, it's, um, it, it's, um, uh, it bewilders me, but that's what, you know, that's what's going on. We're walking around in the middle of these kind of people and they wonder why the concealed weapon permits go up. <clears throat> it's crazy. It's crazy. Get ready for this one. It's going to take a little. It's going to take a little. Um, a little bit explaining. Affordable housing. Okay, I'm going to offer this hypothesis to you. Affordable housing is a myth. There's no such thing as affordable housing. Okay. There is um, habitat for humanity. I understand that and all that business, but there's no such thing as affordable housing. Who can afford what he lives in dependent upon what kind of money he earns? Unless, one thing, you got to remember this, unless the government gets involved. Now, the government's trying to get involved locally here by uh, 
cramming an affordable housing part into the uh, 23rd and uh, 43rd corner there that's in contention with suburban heights. But this is what's going to really drive, this is what's really going to make it happen. Uh, the uh, Federal Housing Finance Agency under, uh, under, under Biden uh, is getting ready to uh, take the position there is a widespread lack of affordable housing, therefore, and, and this is affordable housing for people of color, by the way, people for people of color. Uh, therefore, it is, the, it is the duty of the government to ensure that all Americans have equal access to a safe, decent, affordable housing. And so the government is going to step in and, uh, and tip the scale so that people of color uh, can get participate in the housing market with reduced down payments and loose underwriting standards. Now, <clears throat> this is the government-sponsored enterprise, GSE, if you ever see it. Government-sponsored enterprise, run from it, but you can't. It's an instrument of the government's effort to increase affordable housing. Government-sponsored enterprise. Okay, analyzed by the journal, analyzed by a lot of different publications. They're taking a look at this notion that there is any really any such thing as affordable housing. There is no such thing as affordable housing unless somebody subsidizes it. Okay, so uh, the Biden administration is going to use the government sponsored enterprises as a way to increase affordable housing. And there's an, an ominous twist to it, so writes a journal. Um, it will intervene in a market that doesn't need any help. Um, the problem that the administration sees is that housing and rental prices are too high. But why are they too high? It's too high because food is too high. Energy is too high. All that business are too high. They don't see that as part of the problem. <clears throat> They don't see it as part of the problem. So they are going to underwrite people who can't afford to be in housing. And what it's going to do is when the inflation hits, you know, they tried this with floating mortgages before. When the inflation hits, why then the house will be dumped back on the market and those with people with money who didn't need affordable housing in the first place, we pick them up. That's what will happen. And uh, this will make the economy uh, more inflationary than it already is. People who own homes already will dive into the market, take advantage of the low down payments and housing prices, because even with the tinkering by the government for so-called affordable housing mortgage instruments, the other costs that the government are driving up is going to negate the low-cost mortgage uh, instruments. I don't know why people can't figure this out. I don't know why they can't figure it out, but that's another reason you need to keep your eye on this dadgum Biden administration because this idea that the government can bail you out of every trouble you got is bogus. Ain't so. Is not so. Huh? Here are some of the worst, here's some of the worst things that you can do as a lefty. California, <clears throat> California started these trends. Uh, 
water policies in California have totally backfired, okay? For more than a decade, farmers in the Central Valley, they've had decreasing water levels. Um, their production has been jeopardized. Uh, meanwhile, in the celebrity homes and golf courses in Palm Springs, they got massive green lawns, okay? That's California. Um, this Proposition 47, um, you know, one million felons with crimes such as grand theft, forgery, and fraud uh, were able uh, were eligible for resentencing. Most were released from prison due to overcrowding, and uh, it took just five years before the criminals realized they could steal from stores in broad daylight with little no repercussions. We saw this. Uh, many rural cities don't have enough police to respond to all the vehicle and home thefts. This is California, huh? <clears throat> this is California. You like it? You want to live there? Uh, of course, this is coming out of the uh, Washington Examiner, so they're taking a look at this from their perspective. Uh, these felons uh, got early release. They, they are sex traffickers, child molesters, hate crime offenders, uh, those who committed assault with deadly weapon. These are not your nice guys, okay? Um, you know, there you are. I mean, that, 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 that's what we're dealing with. The title of the show today is Pillars of Our Culture. The pillars of our culture are undermined tremendously. <clears throat> One of the pillars of our culture is law and order, right? The court system. With this due process, it's, uh, it's dealing with criminals to keep those who are safe from those who are not safe. Take a look at it. Tell me if you think it's working. Tell me if you think the, the pillars of our... So Victor Davis Hanson's got an article that we've lost uh, confidence in our pillars. We lost confidence, you know, and one of the big ones we lost confidence in is the FBI. The FBI, James Comey, Andrew McCabe, Robert Mueller, Lisa Page, Peter Strix, Brock Strzok, every one of them was criminal in the FBI. They participated in the FBI-driven Russian collusion hoax. They leaked confidential FBI memos. They forged documents. They improperly surveilled, and they uh, just otherwise tried to take down a duly elected president. <clears throat> uh, it remains to be seen if the FBI can be salvaged. As far as the military goes, never before in U.S. history, Hansen says, have so many retired four-star admirals and generals disparaged their president, <clears throat> calling him either a traitor or a liar or a fascist or a virtual Nazi. That's what happened to Trump by the military. Never before has a proper advisory role of the chairman of Joint Chiefs of Staff been so brazenly corrupted. <clears throat> Secretary of Defense promising he would ferret out white supremacists. Now we got big tech and 21st century woke journalism. So we've given up on that. We've given up on the FBI. We've given up on the media. Okay. What else is that really? <clears throat> Education is goofy. We just saw that. 
So now we have summer days racked with riot and arson and looting and violent protests. We lost confidence in public safety agencies. The communication industries are censoring speech. We're an obvious example of that. That's where we are. Let me look and see if there's any comments about today's class. Well, <clears throat> here's somebody who says somebody's car was broken into yesterday at Tioga's smash and grab. <clears throat> That's Tioga here, you know, living around here. Fluent place. Uh, you leave things out in plain sight. That tempts the thieves. They're brazen. They'll break in. They don't care. Uh, weapons. If you got weapons in there, always leave that car locked up. Uh, try to keep it in a place where you can keep an eye on it. That's where most of the weapons come from, but you see these guys carrying, they, smack, they, broke, they stole them out of somebody else's house or car. It's a bad situation. So um, call the day the pillars of our culture. And the reason I call it the pillars of our culture is that um, we don't have any faith in our pillars of our culture. A lot of hypocrisy flying around, a lot of uh, political speak, which I don't have any faith in. And... Um, I'm sorry, but uh, I haven't seen evidence where I should. We're going to hope the uh, Gator uh, guy gets a gets a gets a gets off to a good start. And uh, here I hear he's supposed to be around town here in a few days. Uh, oddly enough, you know, with the record we got, we get to go to we're bowl eligible, which bewilders me. Um, used to be that that was really a plump get after you played really well, but. Uh, Apparently, that's all eroded, too. So uh, we're going to wish you the best. I'm going to try to get my back voice back from the group or whatever going around. <clears throat> and I uh, want to thank production, all our sponsors and our donation people uh, who keep us going. Uh, have a great day. Warthog Command Center out.